Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas. Today, you'll meet two women that make Vegas a special place. Up first, you'll hear from talented actor and singer Ruby Lewis, who also has just released a hit single. Later, we will visit with a great communicator that has been broadcasting from the Pepper Mill for years. Her name is Ninon, and you won't forget her name after you hear from her. Finally, your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, is back with a warning for Vegas watchers. Now, so far, Resorts World has been a big hit, but Scott is concerned that there may be a repeat of some of the issues that the Palms struggled with a couple of years ago. There are great, great musical actors and actresses all around Las Vegas. We all know that. And you're about to meet one today. Ruby Lewis, she's done some great stuff over the years, including not only here in Vegas, but on Broadway in New York. She's got a great new single that's out. We're going to talk to her all about that. Ruby, it's got to feel good to be working again. It's, it was a long time there with uh, what happened with the pandemic and so forth. Really a struggle, wasn't it? Oh, boy. It was tough, but I'll tell you, I was just blessed to have my, my house here in Vegas because I um, have a bunch of artists here in the house, and we were kind of able just to keep each other occupied and keep each other artistic and try to wait it out. Now, you're still in the Gladys Knight house, is that right? That's correct, yeah. Okay, you got to see this. You go to her website, which is a great website anyway. It's got lots of stuff on it, rubylewis.com. But you were on a show that my wife absolutely loves, House Hunters. So I go, okay, I got to watch this. And they saw the three houses. And as soon as they saw uh, one of them was Gladys Knight, so she's going to pick that. And you did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, was that experience, what was that experience like? Because, you know, it, it's, it's a reality show, and I, I've heard a lot of things. But, but it is kind yeah. of one of those things we all kind of enjoy. Joy, and it was fun wa- watching you go through those houses and so forth. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's always been the show that, you know, I put on uh, when I'm trying to go to bed, and it's just soothing to me. So I've been a fan, and so I was, of course, very excited to get on the show. And it was it's like submitting for an audition in, in a way. You know, I had to kind of plead my case. Like, this is a really cool story, I promise. Pick me. Um, <laughs> and they did. And then it was just, it was a very small crew, all from L.A., but they... Um, we're just all such awesome guys, and my friend Tiffany, who was in the show with me, Baz, at the time, um, did it with me, and my actual real estate agent, you know, Kelly Albright, did it with me, and it was just five days of kind of just um, having fun, celebrating uh, house hunting, and and I also felt really good about my decision after seeing, you know, what else was out there, Um yeah. So it validated my. Yeah, no, you made a great choice. You know, that's yeah. always one of those things on those things. Sometimes they, it's more money than you anticipated paying, but in, like in that case, you just had to do it. I was like, oh, I'd be really surprised if she doesn't. And of course, she did. Yeah, well, you know, and it, like I thought, um, it's been wonderful for, for rental income and to bring artists 
through. And so right now it's a full house and it's all artistic types and it's just exactly what I set out to do. So um, it was definitely meant to be. Looks yeah. like you had a lot of help from your from your folks too. Your dad was helpful putting that around, which just seems like a, a kind of a nice thing, you know. To, that was that awesome. In. Yeah, it was his birthday, and so he came out um, to help me move in, and uh, it was the first time we'd spent you know real good one on one time together. So it was definitely a bonding experience, and it's well, been a blessing, really has. Well, and that gets us to where you were brought up. You were brought up in Kentucky. So, wow, what a change. Mm-hmm. Vegas and New York from Kentucky. But I guess music, you said uh, classic rock was always on the record player. You were kind of bound and determined, for that, although you're not doing classic, classic rock. It's a little bit different type of music. But you wanted, you wanted to perform from an early age, I take it. Yes, my parents met in the theater. And then when they saw, you know, that I loved the theater, they put me into just the community theater. You know, we didn't go nuts and... Um, fly out to Los Angeles when I was a kid or anything like that. But I was definitely in the theater from a very early age, and um, I just kept doing it. And I I can't believe I'm still doing it. (laughs) Well, you are, and you're great at it. Uh, You've done all these musicals. Paramore, which was done with uh, Cirque du Soleil. Baz, Mm -hmm. like you mentioned, We Will Rock You. Are you always on the lookout for one of those great roles? Because it seems like you're just born to really to do that. That's like your, your first love. Yeah, definitely. I um, more and more, you know, it's just it's, it's an exploration for me of, of myself as an artist too. To really just anytime I take on a new role, it's a, such an amazing challenge, and it just feeds my fire. You know, I just I don't know what I would do without it, really. So even during the pandemic, I was trying to well, you know, with with the show that I have going now, I was just trying to write for myself and try to come up with anything to to you know satisfy that the need. Well, let's talk about that show because it's right now. It's on about once a month over at the Nevada Room, which is a great location. And uh, mm-hmm. again, you go to rubylewis dot com to see when that's going to be on again. But you're journeying, as you say, back to the golden age of Hollywood. You uh, step inside the shoes of uh, some of the leading ladies uh, that we remember through song. Kind of talk about how you developed it and what people can expect to see there. Sure. Well, I've been working on it for a while and in different kind of capacities. At first, I was calling it a golden hour. And I just realized after doing, um, after having done so many golden age roles, biographical roles, I'm like, this is a thing. You know, this is a thing that uh, has fallen into my lap and I can't ignore that this is a genre that I need to lean into. So, um, and then, and then I started, you know, going to coffee shops and just researching these women and I just found all of their stories to not, o- not only were they beautiful and talented and, you know, everyone loved them, but I mean, they really were, um, at the forefront of a lot of, you know, trying, trying to make changes, trying to make a difference and stand for social justice and, you know, challenge the status quo. And so that was what really drove me to, to create Starlet because I like to intimately speak about each of them as an individual and as the star that we all know, you know, so it was really, awesome for me kind of like a research paper but then i got to i get to present it on stage in a very glamorous format so yeah. i've been really enjoying it yeah i love that it's and it's kind of fun because when you do that kind of research i imagine you get kind of sort of a connection to these people that'll be with you the rest of your life and you kind of you want to tell their story oh yeah i mean i'll never watch any of the their films the same way you know because i now i feel connected to them yeah I feel like I'm in a relationship with them I know what they went through I know what uh, you know anytime I'm going through something with my career because this is a you know very finicky business 
I just think about the ladies who paved the way and everything they went through. And you know what? I'm not, it's not so bad for me. I'm, I'm still fortunate to, um, you know, to live in this time when we are trying to, you know, make changes and have equality within the workspace. And, you know, it's, it's an exciting time. So I'm doing it all for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and the whole concept of Starlet, you can appreciate that, uh, you know, as an attractive woman yourself. You want to get beyond that. You've got this talent, and it's it's something that they all struggle with because we all appreciate the fact of how everybody looks. But at the same time, yeah. that talent has to be there to back it up, or otherwise you never leave the role of starlet. That's right. Yeah, and, you know, and just being a pretty face doesn't doesn't change much in the world. So, um, yeah, that's kind of part of the premise of the show, and and I'm just I'm really proud of it. Well, you should be, and I think it's kind of fun to kind of put a little bit of yourself into it, you know, as opposed to a lot of the other roles, which are great, but you're you're working with somebody else's mindset. This you can kind of, I would imagine you can kind of shape and develop it any way you want, you know, to kind of fit w- how you're feeling. Certainly, yeah, and what's, what's, what's exciting about it, too, is that it's so malleable because I'm only touching on, uh, you know, a number of these women, but there are so many more and so many more stories, and I can rotate through, you know, just so many different uh, women from the time. So it just feels like a living and breathing thing for me right now, and people seem to enjoy it, and so that's my, that's my gig. Back with more from actress and singer Ruby Lewis in just a moment. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manji, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. By wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers right away. If you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetic Health Hotline today and learn about the latest CGM technology. A CGM can immediately reduce pain. It's accurate, easy to use, and helps you make better diabetes treatment decisions. And if you have Medicare, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Plus, get free shipping and we'll bill your insurance company for you. Call now to receive your new continuous glucose monitor at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Paid for by U.S. Medical Supply. Call 800-273-2295. That's 800-273-2295. Again, 800-273-2295. That's 800-273-2295. Boy, man, I had a rough night's sleep. Boy, I got a letter from the IRS yesterday and I I just couldn't sleep. Man, I'm dying here. Somebody help me. IRS problems affect more than just your finances. If you're ready to take back control of your life and you owe more than $10,000, you need to call the tax doctor. Their expert staff can immediately protect you from the IRS and state collectors and get you the best possible tax settlement guaranteed. The IRS has recently released new programs geared in helping struggling taxpayers, where you may qualify to settle your tax debt and wipe out up to 85% or more of what you currently owe. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call the tax doctor right now. See if you qualify to pay less. Call 800-511-6983. That's 800-511-6983. Again, 800-511-6983. That's 800-511-6983.
Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to actress and singer Ruby Lewis, who has just released a best-selling pop single, Shock Value. Shock Value, that's how they get you to the show. Shock Value, to shake it up and watch it blow. I'm toe-to-toe with provocation. You, I know, sang the national anthem, as you mentioned, uh, fantasy football, real football. You sang the national anthem in a New York Giants playoff game. That had to be exciting, oh, yeah. right? Because everybody there is pumped up and ready to go, and you don't want to lose them on the national anthem. <laughs> oh, boy. I was so nervous. And um, it's funny, you know, it's a very humbling experience. As I was taking the field, and I was done up to the nine. I was taking the field to sing, and they were, you know, practicing. They were throwing the ball around, and the ball slapped me in the head <laughs> um, and knocked my hair all off. And I just looked into the crowd and said, did anybody get that on camera? Nobody did, but, um, <laughs> uh, well, that will humble, humble you right away uh, as you're taking the uh, <laughs> Well, taking maybe that takes some of the, the pressure play. off because, you know, now you're thinking of that, and it's all funny. And it's like, all right, let's just do what it I'm here to funny. do. <laughs> exactly. And I had done it so many times before that it was like, you know, it's like riding a bike. and I, I I never worry about singing the song, but it, it is just, I mean, to have that many people uh, watching you uh, <laughs> can be can be a little nerve-wracking. Well, I hope we can get you out to Legion Stadium and do one of the Raider games this year, or maybe over yeah, to T-Mobile so. and do a Knights game. That'd be a lot of fun. Heck yeah, yeah. Well, now you I'm ready to represent the local. There you local go. Yeah, we'll, for sure. We would love that. Also, we'll go back to New York for a second. You sang in something that I, I've, wa- I've always wanted to ask somebody who's done that. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which now is different than it was back when they made the movie, uh, you know, Miracle on 34th Street. Now there's, this, sure. there's a one area. You get, what, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, whatever that is on there. Uh, oh, yeah. Is that because it must be exciting to be there on that day? It's a holiday and so forth. But it is sort of, I would guess, nerve wracking because there's no room for error there. Nope, it's live. And uh, the way it's set up, well, I was fortunate to do it two years in a row. So I've experienced it. I've um, been on a float and I've performed in front of Macy's. Two diff- totally different experiences. <laughs> so the first year being on the float, um, you know, I was just riding along and uh, waving at people that were just lined up way down the street, and we had our little, we had our, our stop where we did our performance, and then we kept moving on. But then, you know, the major NBC broadcast is in front of Macy's, and it's just a wall of cameras, like two stories of just cameras, and there aren't really people there. So mm-hmm. you're performing for this wall of electronics, and you're not getting a whole ton of audience feedback, which, of course, we feed on. Yeah. So it was just really like, hit your mark. You know, it was very technical. You couldn't you had to definitely hit your mark for light and lighting and for the cameras. And um, so, yeah, that was that was really uh, something. And it was something to celebrate once we finished. Oh, big sigh of relief, you know. It must be working in musicals, too. You do kind of rely on that response from the audience, right? It kind of it, it builds up the momentum. It gets you excited. And it, it, you feed oh, yeah. off it. Oh, yeah. I mean, without it, it's, it's just flat and not interesting to me at all. It has to be. I mean... Uh, it's completely reciprocal to me. Like, as much as I give them, they give me, you know, vice versa. It's, I love that for it. I don't love that about television or film, you know, because you're giving everything you got and you're not, necessi- you're not necessarily getting all that energy right back. Yeah, uh, exactly. So selfishly, I, I actually do prefer theater. Well, I want to talk mm-hmm. to you about one thing. I know theater's your love, but you've got a single out, and I'm 
really excited about it is called Shock Value, and it's a pop song, and it's great. It's got it's got its own kind of unique song, and it was one of those things. You know, the first time you want to listen to it because you want to know what to talk to somebody about. Then, as I heard it a second and third time, I'm like, okay. This gets you right away. Do you, are, are you finding good response from it? Because it just seems to have a, it's a great thing for the 21st century. Yeah, it's getting great response. And I'm excited because I will have a, um, a music video coming out soon. And I think that is where you get a lot of eyes on it and a lot of ears on it. And um, particularly, I'm, gonna, I'm hitting kind of a gay club scene um, because it is kind of, it's, it's great to dance to. And, you know, the message of it, it really is kind of... Um, you know, what does it take to get ahead in pop music or as a pop star these days? What does it take? And um, I've been so influenced by Lady Gaga and and pop stars, you know, even David Bowie, who did use shock value in a certain way to kind of um, gain yeah. attention. So that's kind of what the song is about. It's like, you know, how far are you willing to go to uh, snag the audience's attention? And um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to... Um, to, to hopefully kind of make appearances and to get get the word out and get people dancing to it, yeah. Well, yeah, and I think it's one of those things, you know, you mentioned David Bowie, of course. Uh, you think of Michael Jackson, Prince. Mm-hmm. That type of music requires, you do have to put a little sh- uh, shock value in it huh? because how do you separate from everything out there? So a, a lot of that stuff you, you can get easily get lost in the, in the mix. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, for me, you know, I didn't want it to just be a silly pop song. I did want it to have something to say. But um, it's, it's finding a balance between, you don't want to be too preachy, you don't want to, you want it to be fun, you want it to have, um, you know, you want it to be catchy so that people can rem- remember the melody. So for me, it was really fun crafting it, and um, we f- I first came up with the hook with um, my friend Tom Fletcher, who is a musician and producer here in town. So it's been a long time coming, and um, oh boy, it was exciting, and I hit number 25 on the iTunes pop charts my first day. It's really hard nowadays because the business has changed so much where you kind of have to catch lightning in a bottle like this. It isn't like you can put an album out and let it get played across the United States slowly and people get into it. Right. you got to grab folks. Now, this video, I'm kind of uh, I'm interested in hearing about that. Is it one of those things where you did the song and then you thought, okay, how does the video sell the song? Or did you always have a video in mind and now you're just putting that together? Yeah, I did always have the video in mind. I um, just the, the very first lyrics um, in the first verse, the bend over, turn it up, light a fire, fill my cup. I imagined myself as kind of a queen, and I had all of these male servants around me, lighting my fire, filling my wine, you know, turning up the music for me, and all kind of in this beautiful dance. Um, and so I didn't end up going with that exact concept, but... Um, definitely has that has that vibe to where I you know I'm the queen and um, I'm dictating what happens around me and it's all very colorful and fun and I actually shot the video at the Elysian at the Palms oh great I had a really yeah. cool space there yeah and I had a friend who um, totally uh, Jonathan Pennington he, he is a, um, a theater director and he volunteered his time to shoot it and it was all just you know friends and fun and so you know couldn't have been better. When do you expect that to be released? Yeah, I'm hoping it'll be out next week. Outstanding. I don't have an exact date. So, okay, yeah, well, it's, it's with the editor now. So well, I haven't seen it yet. I'm very excited. That's, that is very exciting. Ruby, uh, we are excited about where you're going to be playing and what you're go, what's going on in your life. How do people follow you so they can be right on top of this? 
Yeah, I think the best way is um, my Instagram. It's Ruby Lou L A Ruby Lou La. And uh, otherwise, if you join my mailing list on my website, that's where I send out. You know, uh, I I send a free copy of the single to all those all my mailing list people, and that's my more intimate kind of group that I I try to keep up to date with. Yeah, with everything. Well, that's great. That you go to rubylewis.com. It's exactly mm-hmm. how it sounds. And Ruby, best of luck. We hope to talk with you again real soon. I hope so. I sure appreciate your time. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Stephen Maggi. Hi, this is Andy Martello, Las Vegas entertainer, award-winning author, voice of the Las Vegas Aviators, and generally tired human being. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Ninon DeVere DeRosa is with us. Now, if you don't know that name, you should. If you care about Las Vegas, if you live in Vegas, she's got her pulse on top of everything in Vegas. And if you're not, but you like this place, she knows what's going on here. So it's really worth uh, talking to. I've known her for a while. Ninon, how have you been? Uh, It's been a while since we've talked. It's been a few years. Well, yes, it's been a few years, and a lot of water has gone under the dam. (laughs) Well, under the Vegas dam, put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) It sure has. Now, you do a kind of a cool show. I assume it's still going on. Vegas Live with Ninon. uh, That's right. It's a talk show. It's an internet TV talk show, which is uh, filmed in uh, Las Vegas. And uh, since we last spoke, and with the pandemic and the COVID and all this stuff going on, um, I was filming out of the uh, Pepper Mill. Right. And then, of course, everything was closed down. So I left. And then I left in March. Then I went back in June and did a few more shows at the Pepper Mill, and then again, it wasn't locked down, but they had this 25% capacity. So, so then I was out again, because I had, a, you know, my crew and my guests and everybody was more than 25%. So, so then I was out again, and now I have a new studio. I'm filming at Quirky Minds Media. That's in Las Vegas. They've got a studio with uh, James Kelly, and it's going very, very well. Well, that's terrific. First of all, you know, that's just like you. You're not going to just stop because somebody tells you, you know, well, we're not doing it here. Then you find something else, which I really love. I hate to see the Peppermill uh, spot go because it was just kind of a cool spot back. You know, people saw it, thought of Elvis Presley, and really a lot of celebrities loved the place. I imagine you hated to leave there. Well, I did hate to leave, but at the same time, you know, sometimes you move on. You've got to change things up and do different things. I have never been opposed to that. But on all that, I also started another show on Zoom, which is now going on for over a year, and that's called Neon Speaks. And I, I did that on the Internet, so I had an Internet platform because I had no idea what was going on. And as you said, <laughs> I certainly wasn't going to not do anything. Right. So now, <laughs> now I have two shows. One of the things uh, you're known for is championing People that are trying to get that first jump into the world of Vegas and entertainment and so forth. I always love the fact that you'll talk to just about anybody if you find them interesting. And that's kind of the key to your show, right? It's always interesting because you have that natural curiosity that I think all good talk show hosts have. 
Well, we try to have, but thank you for the compliment. But yes, no, I don't ever, I don't like to pre-interview my guests. And yes, I will have a homeless person on and then I'll have a millionaire on. I don't particularly think that makes any difference how much money they have. I'm more on the personality and the person on who they are, what they want, where they want to go, what they've done, and, and, and you know, they're kind of a little bit of their life and get them out there if it, they've got a fundraiser going on or if they've got a performance happening. I, I like to get it out there so that people know that they can go and support these people. Well, I love the fact that you don't have the pre-interview and so forth because it really is the curiosity that leads to, I think, the interesting parts of the conversation, which maybe you'd never get to if you'd have prepared for it just based on a, a bio sheet. Yeah, and it's funny because a lot of them say, well, what are we going to talk about? And I turn to them and I say, I have no idea. <laughs> and that makes, that makes them even more nervous. They said, what do you mean you don't know? And then I ask them, I say, what's the main thing you do? I'll ask just one question before we go on air. What is the main Are you an author? Are you in real estate? Do you sing? What do you do? Acrobats? What do you do? That's, uh, I only need one thing. And then when I know, because I want to present that to the audience, and then we go from there because they've always got something to say. They've always got something interesting coming out of their lives. Well, and I think it's it's the city that you represent here, Vegas, that yes. kind of uh, brings some of that to you. Even like you say, whether it's a realtor and so forth, it, they've been called to Vegas, and that kind of separates them from from everybody else. It does, but you know you have to understand Vegas is is you know one of a kind in an, in an entire world. It's totally different to any other city. Um, a lot of people used to call it a blue collar city because it had just mainly the workplace was the big hotels. Well, that's kind of changed a tremendous amount. They've got a lot of building going on. They've got a lot of companies. The Raiders are here now. And, and then you've got Tesla here and you've got a lot of people. So it's become a, a little bit of a different city now. It's becoming a city of its own, not just, you know, working in the hotels. People have businesses and it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it kind of grown from just a tourist town. to It's a really big city. It's like for all the reasons you mentioned. You know what I find interesting is I did do a little bit of research beforehand before our conversation. And as I look at your background, it makes sense that you can do this because you've had your hands into a lot of different things, which is just fascinating. I mean, you were a model, an actress, an underwater swimmer in Beirut, you know, author of a book called Joyful Volunteering. You like different challenges, right? And, and again, it's that curiosity that just comes out in so many ways. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a challenge. It's just cause kind of things that step across my path. And, you know, you, do you take them or do you stay where you are? I left home when I was 16. I left home when I was 16. I never went to school. Um, did not have the privilege of going to school and, and learning how to read and write and math and do all that stuff. Left home at 16 with five bucks and, and went from there. And I worked 20 hours a day for a whole year. Wow. 18 hours on a Sunday. And earned enough money, or saved enough money, to go from Torquay, which is where I'm from, Torquay, Devon. And then I went up to uh, to London, and I lived with my grandmother. Well, I, I never had a break in life. Even my grandmother charged me rent. And, I, you know, in those days, you know, money was scarce, and I was only, what, I was 17 at the time. Um, and then, you know, it was re- always been hard for me. Nobody ever helped me. Nobody you know, did anything, so I plotted on my way, and then eventually I ended up in uh, in the centre of London, Baker Street, actually, which is the centre, and uh, I started modelling, and I, unfortunately, touch wood, I did very, very well, so um, 
the story goes on. Do you find that a lot of people are surprised when they hear that? Because you're very, uh, you're confident. I guess this comes from, from modeling and so forth. Very confident. I mean, people meet you and immediately they think, okay, well, this woman comes from the elite of England. And uh, it's, as you mentioned, it wasn't so easy with growing up. Well, actually, my, although my mom and dad didn't send me to school, or, or they had five children, they didn't send any of them to school. And we were not homeschooled either. We were just kind of, I don't know, we were just, but my father and mother were highly educated people. My father especially was highly educated. So uh, being brought up, you know, you had to sit, sit up the table straight. You had to use your knife and fork the right way. He taught us every etiquette and everything possible that he knew of our growing up, because he was actually in a boarding school. He he was raised in a boarding school, uh, um, in, and then in the summer, I think he would be with his mom, which was my grandmother, whom I loved. And so you, you sort of grasp all these things, and it's funny, they say the first five years of your life as a child is what goes through the rest of your life, and sometimes I disagree with that, and sometimes I agree with that. So I think it's a little bit 50-50, that you do definitely make your own life and you decide where you want to go. Well, my decision was always to the best restaurants. Um, I always wanted to have a taxi everywhere. So if I wanted all these good things, I had to earn good money. So I'm not a money person, but I'm very expensive. More with Ninon Devere De Rosa, host of Ninon Speaks and Vegas Live with Ninon in just a moment. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? Low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? London, Rome, Costa Rica, Australia? Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airlines travel it's that easy so call now and start packing call right now 800-267-1806 800-267-1806 800-267-1806 that's 800-267-1806 have you written a book you can become a published author with Doran's publishing the nation's oldest publishing services company countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a hundred years to bring their book to the market our professional team will edit your text design your book pages and create an appealing eye-catching custom cover plus our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books like Amazon and brick and mortar bookstores so make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing don't wait another day take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print you've already written a book so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to dorns publishing and get your free guide to publishing call right now 
Call 800-923-8625. That's 800-923-8625. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps. We are talking with Ninon Devere De Rosa, who hosts a couple of popular internet shows about Las Vegas. Just Google her name for more information. I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense because people don't realize how important that that is. It's all the st- stuff you were talking about that your dad taught you. People get an image, and the first image they get from you is class, and that comes from the ability to do that. And I mean class in the way of wow, this person's got proper manners and so forth. And not everybody does yeah. these days, but I think it still matters. Not these days. It matters a tremendous amount. It probably matters more in um, places like New York, um, uh, different restaurants you go to. Like I lived in Bel Air. I had a beautiful 7,000-square-foot home in Bel Air. And, and, and then that means you go to different restaurants. And, you know, so when you fit in with all that, you don't have to worry about anything you fit in. But now you're in a position that I think really fits your personality. Anybody that's watched <laughs> you, you love to communicate. And what you do is so much different, and yet it's fascinating. When I heard the concept of it, I thought, okay, this just sounds like some oh, – everybody wants to have like a TV show where they just invite people in as kind of uh, like uh, an old Saturday Night Live uh, script. Mm-hmm. But your mm-hmm. thing is different because, again, that general curiosity comes out. And I think the people that watch it, and if you get hooked on it, you'll watch it all the time – is who else is you going to come up with? And maybe not everybody's for you, but there will be people, because I think, as you said, everybody's got a story. Well, I just had a couple on, and they have a coral farm, all about coral. And it's funny, two weeks ago, because I listened to a lot of stuff, I, I listened to continuously listening to new things on the television or the computer reading, and there was a big story about coral. So... When these people came on and they started talking about coral, I was 100% able to talk to them about coral because I had just heard all of this story about coral is not dying anymore and Australia, all the coral banks are all disappearing. And So I knew what was going on, but that's where I get a lot of... I'm, I'm very inquisitive, and you said it, that when I have people, I'm, I'm inquisitive as to what they do and how they get there. Now, how can I help you go further? Have you had any stories, uh, Ninon, that where somebody has that came on had no idea, and you were able to set them in a position that would help their career? A lot of them, tremendous amount. Yeah, a lot of. I had another show before this. I had a show called Voices of Tomorrow, um, and I interviewed children from the ages of twelve, sometimes younger, to eighteen, sometimes older, and I interviewed all these kids, and I gave them a, a platform to be able to talk out and just be who they were. And I helped a tremendous amount of children there. And then I was able to take, I did this for 16 years, and I've won 120 awards for the show and also for other shows I've done. But, and I also managed to take my cameras into Juvenile Hall. And that was, I always wanted to break the red tape, and I did. And I wanted to help these kids in Juvenile Hall to give them a, just to let people know that these, you know, take care of your kids so they don't get into Juvenile Hall. Right. Make sure you, so that was one of my greatest things. And I did that completely 100% for nothing. I, I wanted to give back 
what I had learned and where I came from and, and what I had. I had nothing. I mean, I have, I've never had a mentor. I've never had anybody turn around and say, well, Nino, let me, how can I help you? <laughs> I haven't really <laughs> ever had that. Yeah, they, all they need to turn around is the mum or the father. Just to, they have to use one or two words. I love you. That's all they have to say. If you don't say that to your children, you know, at least once a week or better every day. But, you know, if, that's your lim- if you're limited to say that to your children, which should not be limited, um, and, and just make sure that your children know that you care for them and, and to, to, to talk, explain to your children, don't talk at them, talk with them. There's a difference. Among the many lists of different occupations, motivational speaker is one. And, and boy, we can see how. And it, it seems like a natural for you because you enjoy it. <laughs> you, you're motivated yourself to pass this on. What better motivational speaker yeah. than somebody who themselves is motivated? Absolutely, yes. And I'm motivated definitely to help, young, um, or help, help any young person. Any young person that comes across my path, I will 100% help if I'm given the, the ability to do that. Because I don't need a book. I don't need to read how I can perform what I want to perform. Um, I don't need anything. All I do, I mean, everything's set up, everything's done, and all I do is walk in and interview these people. But it's like, you know, I'll interview four or five people at one sitting, and people tell me, say, Nina, how can you change from one subject to the next subject to the next subject? To the... So everyone is so different. And I said, well, that's just how it is. Just what happens. <laughs> Well, and I think I think your attitude is a reason why something like the pandemic comes up. Now, that should have been an easy thing for you to like, well, I can't do anything. I got to go away until everything gets back to normal. You didn't do that. Instead, you found, no. well, what can I do? And that's an attitude, isn't it? I mean, it really is, you know, where you don't just see a problem and say, well, I guess there's nothing I can do. Oh, not at all. No, not at all. In fact, um, the pandemic actually... Um did not hurt me at all, at all. I did not stop anything I was doing. Maybe even for the first month, um, couple of months, was maybe organizing things and doing different things. And that's what I was trying to organize. I even took, um, I went down Las Vegas Boulevard and filmed that and took photographs and then put that up because to show people what happened to Vegas and the overgrown, I mean, all the hotels outside, all their fences and their trees and everything were all overgrown. And I thought, well, at least they could keep that looking good, even if it's the inside isn't so hot. But at least keep, yeah. at least keep Vegas Boulevard. But it wasn't. All you could see was these police cars outside all these hotels. And it was so disappointing because it was just something. They all sort of shut themselves away and, and hid. And I, I think they could have done a better job, personally. And, um, and that's why I started my second show, Neon Speaks. Started that on the internet and um, got this incredible girl, um, AJ Dean. AJ Dean is a, um, um, she's now my producer. She lives in Oregon and, and um, Seattle, actually. And um, she's doing a wonderful job. But I started that up because I thought, well, if I can't do it the other one, let's try this one. <laughs> so now I have two shows. And now I just started a cooking show. Really? Tell us about it. Yep. Yeah, I've got a, a cooking show um, uh, with this gentleman called Joe Tarantino. Now, Joe Tarantino, there's a, a woman here called um, Social Media Shows, Maria. And she called me and she asked me, she says, Nina, and she said, can you, um, can you be a guest on this Tarantino cooking show, Celebrity um, Tarantino? And I said, oh, absolutely. So she wanted me to go someplace and downhead everywhere. And I said, I said, you're not getting me nine o'clock in the morning at anybody else's house but my own. <laughs> she said, well, do you have a kitchen? And I said, well, if I didn't, I would be the only house in the entire world that doesn't have a kitchen. But of course I have a kitchen. <laughs> yes, I have a kitchen. She said, well, can we film there? And I said, Absolutely. 
So they all piled in here at 9 o'clock in the morning, and I'm not even ready, but I can hear them all laughing, and they're all getting everything ready. And, and this uh, uh, celebrity chef, Tarantino, he was so much fun. So we start cooking. Well, I have a little bit of a sense of humor, so it started coming out. <laughs> and it ended up hilarious. Uh, you, can, you can see it on, on the Internet uh, somewhere. I don't know where exactly it is. Thanks, Ninon. Remember to check out Ninon's various shows on the net. Just Google her name, Ninon Devere de Rosa. Time once again for your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. Is there anything that you're kind of concerned about, something that you see around town, you go, boy, I don't think this is the right direction. And I know you don't like negative questions, but I got to ask you. No, I don't care. I'll, I'll be as negative as I need to be. I think, I think there's trouble ahead um, for a resort like Resorts World. Uh, they have done everything by a playbook that I'm not sure is relevant anymore. Uh, we saw a really bad situation with the nightclub day club at Palms, for example. They lost tens of millions of dollars because they miscalculated the market. And there, I think some of that is happening at, at Resorts World, is they're miscalculating the demand for nightclubs and day clubs. I think they, are, they really have overshot the size and scale of what the market will bear right now. I think they're going to have trouble uh, filling those rooms. Well, thanks, Scott. And please remember to visit Scott's site, VitalVegas.com. It's a way you can keep up with all the activities in and around Las Vegas. Thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Manchie reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. Las Vegas, here we go! Are you being audited and do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Is the IRS threatening to take more of your money? Don't fight the IRS alone. The tax doctor is here to help you negotiate a lower tax bill. The IRS can freeze your assets and seize your bank accounts. But you can stop these IRS actions. The tax doctor will fight for you using industry secrets that can stop any IRS actions, eliminate penalties and interest, and reduce your past tax bill. So you pay the IRS less. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call the tax doctor now for a free IRS audit emergency review. Call 800-515-4956. That's 800-515-4956. Again, 800-515-4956. That's 800-515-4956.